Get ready to be dazed and infused. Join sugar industry expert Latham Woodward for a happier hour each week for a lively and often hilarious discussion on the infusion of cannabis into food, beverages, and life. Explore exciting new culinary landscape trends with fascinating friends and guests who are leading the industry into the uncharted mainstream. Discover curated menus, enhanced cocktails, and live tastings. Life's a little sweeter here on Dazed and Infused. Well, welcome again to Dazed and Infused. I'm Latham Woodward, your host, and tonight we are very, very fortunate to have a preeminent cannabis attorney here in California, John Landis. John, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. Well, we're very happy to have you here. So, um, John, um, we're going to start this off like we always do in this series, and that is, why don't you tell the people at home a little bit about your relationship to cannabis, how you got to where you are today, and perhaps what got you started? I mean, I've always been a supporter of people's right to use cannabis. I've always, um, I've certainly, I've used it in, you know, in, in my life as it is, as, as I came of age, um, I, I first started to get involved when I had a couple of friends who had, um, this was back in the 215 era when it was still the collectives who had small businesses and products they wanted to launch. So I did a little mm-hmm. bit of assistance with them. And then I started working with my prior firm, Bird Law Group, in March 2017. And that was still the collective era. So I've been involved throughout this transition we've seen going from the collective model where it was a, a little bit less hurdles in terms of regulations and finances to operate to what we see today. And I've worked with many of my clients throughout that transition. And now, mm. yeah, and now I'm with a new firm Adley law group, but I'm still working um, in this field primarily with cannabis clients um, on everything, corporate regulatory, basically everything that you need for your business to be successful, compliant and yeah. to move forward in this transition period. And it's a, it's a real passion of mine to see all the great entrepreneurs and people who want to help people for the medicinal benefits and be successful business people for our economy and the state and in this country. So it's something that I'm very excited to be involved with. Well, let's talk a little deeper about, you know, the, the personal side of it. Okay. And um, where, where do you come from, you know, from mentally on it? I mean, other than person's right to smoke, I mean, you enjoy cannabis, I'm assuming. And absolutely. And the lifestyle around it. Right. I think, um, where do you think, we are going within the framework of cannabis and legality. I mean, what I, I mean, both the legality and also just in terms of where we're going as an industry, in terms of branding, in terms of our, our customer base, I just think it's really exciting to see, you know, non-traditional, non-traditional cannabis consumers, especially for on the medical side, in a lot of cases, older people, veterans, you know, all different groups that we're not, that sort of are not, people's stereotype of what a cannabis consumer is enjoying these products. And especially with the, with the great diversity of products, you know, maybe some people don't want to smoke. Some people don't, they might prefer to vape. Some people might prefer edibles. Some people prefer tinctures. There's just so many different diversity of products and innovative products that are out there just to cater to basically any type of consumer and whatever their level of experience and interest is. And I think that's really exciting. Would you say then from like a, your personal rights standpoint where you, you know, just being able to have the right to smoke cannabis, it sounds like that's important to you as well. I mean, I absolutely support the right of, I mean, just speaking generally, I support the right of, of adults to make their own choices, especially with a product that from all evidence that I've seen scientifically and medically is safer and 
less harmful than many other products that have been legal for many years in this country. Um, but also like alcohol, for instance, alcohol, tobacco, but we've, as for to name two examples, Op- opium and opiates <laughs> go back farther. Absolutely. Especially yeah. with what we've seen with the opiate crisis country. And that speaks to, you know, one of the other points, which was regards to like the medical benefits that we see with, including with getting people off opiates, veterans with PTSD, people with severe pain issues, um, all Chron- chronic issues seniors suffer with. And just to see like all the benefits and people being able to access that legally and safely through products that are tested, products that are clean, products that have proper dosing. I think that's re- very important. But I also like to make clear that while medicals is a, is a great thing and very important, the, the right of an, of an individual to, to enjoy these products and because they want, they enjoy them and they enjoy, it makes their lives happier and richer is also extremely important. I support that yeah, as well. Right on. Uh, so John, let me ask you about, you know, what we deal because you are our corporate attorney um, as you are others. And um, I, I, you know, uh, what I come constantly come up with right now, especially after January 15th, the introduction of full-blown metric and metric compliance in the state. Uh, we've, we've really, and I talked about this on another show with Audrey Roy, is we've really been witnessing a shit show. Um, unlike anything I've ever really seen before. Fall off of businesses, fall off of uh, viable ideas, um, crazy taxation that's mandated taxation and just had to go into effect. What, uh, just the myriad issues surrounding entry into the cannabis world are pretty significant. Is there any kind of bit of advice you would give anybody listening tonight who's thinking, I'm going to go into cannabis? What would uh, your one sentence be in terms of warning or encouragement? I mean, I would definitely, I'm definitely not one of those people's like, don't get, I mean, I think there's a lot of opportunity and mm-hmm. I would never discourage anyone, but I think you do need, I think there's three things that are needed to be successful. I think you need to have access to capital to do what you I mean that and the level of access to capital you need is dependent on what you're doing but you need it, to it is high though i'm, yes. I'm not going to mince words here no that that, that has actually, been the the killer for more than one brand it is high so go ahead what's your next two points and i think it's important to have a product if unless you're doing strictly retail if you're if you're doing anything outside of strictly retail and however you define that whether you're growing manufacturing anything you need to look at it as you're developing a product and a branding that goes with my third point, which is you have to have good branding and good marketing, the ability to sell whatever your narrative of what your brand is, right. and your business is to investors, to consumers, to potential retailers, you know, retailers, distributors, all of it. Like that's, I think that's essential. Like, because a lot of these people came from the collective space where maybe just, Oh, I grow, I manufacture, I produce oil. That was enough. And now with the, economic realities that we're facing it's not enough and as we move forward and get into possibly having interstate competition and paying on changes with federal legalization that's only going to become even more true yeah and i I, i'm going to add to that too in terms of my comment to anybody listening out there what you're getting into is real work and it requires your time effort there are fringe benefits and the fringe benefits are great but it's it's a job and if you're getting into a position where you're going to sell through to retail, please keep this in mind. It's a tough retail market. It's um, very uninviting. So you got to steal yourself and really be ready for it. And uh, 
then you can go in with a, you know, the knowledge base you need to deal with the market. So, um, John, what else do you think is a challenge to people here in 2020? I mean, there was a saying at a, the hazy LA event a couple of weeks ago. I want to, I think Audrey Roy said, it, it's like, I want to congratulate you all for making it through 2019. And so what, what's the end statement on 2020 going to be in 11 months? What do you think? I mean, the two biggest challenges you've already named, I certainly one of them that I see that was an issue in 2019. And to this point, I don't see any, unfortunately, likelihood of it being resolved in 2020 on the state level or the taxes being too high. And that's primarily the state taxes, but also the local taxes and municipalities and the difficulty tie in terms of time, expense, and just finding a location that will let you do it for licensing, especially with regards to retail, both yeah. dispensary and um, standalone delivery, because that's what, that's what creates the bottleneck in the market. If there's not enough retailers, there just isn't anywhere in the legal market for all the pro, all the flour, all the, for the products, goods, right. all the oil to go. And ultimately, to be compliant, it needs to go through a supply chain that ends in a licensed retailer, and there just are not enough licensed retailers. And that is the fault of municipalities that will not grant licenses. And it's also the fault of a state that requires local compliance from and has not given any guidance or requirements to municipalities on how they can license or requiring them to license in any capacity. I think that's what's created. I think issues. we we should use tonight, John, you and I, um, I know we're advocates of this, both of us, but we should put a line in the sand and, and tell the state. They need to hear it publicly at every branch and they need to understand the tax base, both statewide, municipality-wide and countywide, is creating a viral, virulent black market in this state. You, we set this thing up and we're all signatories to it and we've all bought into this thing. Back it up, take the funds we're paying these taxes for and take care of business. Get people in from the cold. I'm not saying go out and arrest people. Go out and try to get people into the fold and reduce the taxation so this nascent industry can start. Do you agree? hundred percent. And, and I, I try not to be a person who who cast blame because we were all going into this. This was new and nobody knew exactly what's going to happen. What I like to see is like, for example, like I see a city like Long Beach, which had a higher tax rate and lowered to 1%. I appreciate that. It shows that they, and we've got other cities that I won't name until it's, until it's official that are, right. I believe going to do the same thing. And that's, that's and working with those, with those officials and those cities where they, where they recognize the realities and how their, their businesses are struggling and work with them to find a solution is great. And I just wish we could see the same thing from the state and we need to see the same thing from the state. We need to see that recognition without casting blame on what was done in the past, that these taxes are not sustainable, that it's you know, what we're seeing between the, the difficulty in getting a license and the taxes being too high and right. overly onerous regulations in some ways is it's keeping the black market thriving and it's, it's it's choking the license market and we should be trying to do exactly the opposite right okay we're going to leave it there but we're going to come back to that exact same subject when we get back from the break once again this is Dason infused and we're with john landis a cannabis attorney here in california and i'm looking forward to some more information so we'll be right back we'll be back to crave your sweet tooth with more dazed and infused right after this 
It's time to Hemp Resent. I am going to titillate your audio orifices with weekly radio rendezvous with some of the premier movers, shakers, and history makers of the cannabis community. Radio resident Hempo Sapien Vivian McPeak. I will be putting out a call to action on the issues of the day and putting your interests under the big lights as I provide cannabis commentary and weekly interviews that go straight for the nugular. Marijuana! Hemp Resents, only on Cannabis Radio. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. The cannabis industry is growing almost as fast as the cannabis and hemp being planted and harvested. Where, when, and how fast will the cannabis and hemp industries continue to climb? Who will be the people leading the charge into that promised land of profit? Let's pursue those answers and more with the Plant Profits. Welcome to another episode of Plant Profits. I am Bert Miller, your host. As you guys know, the purpose of this show is to introduce you to some of the most forward-thinking executives and companies in the cannabis industry. Plant Profits, only on CannabisRadio.com. How sweet it is. Dazed and Infused is back, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to Days and Infused. This is Latham Woodward, your host tonight with our guest, John Landis. And John is a cannabis attorney here in the uh, state of California. Full disclosure, he is my corporate attorney as well. But um, that withstanding, John's got a great mind and he's got a great mind for cannabis. So welcome back, John. We left it with um, city-state issues, crime black market prosecution. Now, one thing that I can say, because I'm a firm advocate of um, equity, especially with regard to people who are convicted, which I would say unduly convicted of crimes regarding cannabis in the past, I do believe that these people should be um, not incarcerated, number one. Number two, I think they should be given an opportunity to benefit a little bit. Um, That's why I am within the black market uh, framework here, in my opinion, there. I do not believe people should be prosecuted or arrested. I think they should be given the opportunity to come in from the cold, so to speak. With regard to city taxation and overlap of state taxation, do you feel that there's too much double dipping going on? Absolutely. And I, I will say I have some sympathy for the cities because they're being put in this position where, like, where they can't have tax rates that are maybe what would be reasonable otherwise because the state taxes are far too high. Like if the state taxes were not 50, if the excise tax was say, I'm just making up a number here, it was 5% instead of 15%, then it might make sense for the cities to have 
higher taxes. Like it's a, it's sort of putting them in an untenable position as well. But the reality is that businesses cannot survive. There is no tax base. So until the state acts, I, I feel it, I feel that it's forcing cities hand to do what is necessary to allow their businesses to succeed. And in a, in a future date, maybe that can be adjusted, but I do think they're taking as a little bit of a carte blanche. I mean, I get you with the city, with respect to the cities, because they've just got to do because what they've got to do, because that retailer's in their city, right? The state and the counties are just distanced from this thing. And it, the, the multiple layers, though, and like with Sonoma, I think it's Sonoma County, they just did the uh, adjustment to the per square foot rule on uh, cultivation, I believe, and that went into effect also January 1st. I mean, this is just, this is not good for business. It's just, this is like, you know, economics 101. You can't strangle something and think it's going to get better. Especially in a nascent industry, especially when we're dealing with the federal prohibition still, we've already got pre-existing challenges with banking and insurance and things of that nature, especially when we've got major changes to employment law that we've got to get compliant with, regulations with regards to track and trace that are very confusing and do not really add up with the realities of where people are at in the licensing process in many cases. There's there's just a whole series of, of challenges and things that have made things more difficult than they should be for what, what to me the goal should be, which is to allow business succeed, to have clean, safe product that's properly tested, properly dosed out there in the marketplace, and to move this industry forward so that it's an industry that can thrive in a way that benefits the public, consumers, medical users, businesses, everyone. And what's your opinion on the on equity and how we should really kind of try to institute that across the the whole spectrum. And I think we eventually should get national. My opinion is, um, where do you come off on equity in terms of the legal? I, I mean, I, I certainly agree with you that I, I certainly, well, I certainly do not support the criminal prosecution or even civil prosecution of anyone for, for, for cannabis. Um, I, I'm, I think that this should be, something where we do look at it. And I do, I do understand with certain municipalities, it's different based on how they feel it's affected their community. And I'm certainly sympathetic to the cause of, you know, say a community where public you know, safety, in other words, poor people, a lot of people of color were, were incarcerated for the same oh. thing where they now see people, you know, wealthy people making lots of money or potentially like making lots of money for the same thing that they saw their friends and relatives going to prison for not that long ago. So I, I certainly think to the, you know, we cannot change history and what has been done in the past, but I do think to the degree that it is possible, we should try to, to make that right and try to benefit some of the communities and people that were especially harmed by these, by these policies in the past. Let's not forget that we're in California and other states are legal now and um, releases have occurred. There are places in this country right now where someone could be listening to us right now and they're in prison because of two ounces of weed. Yeah. It's still real. It's still here. Um, So if you're listening to this and you're in one of those states, I suggest you get off your ass and do something about it because that's just goddamn wrong and needs to be rectified as soon as possible. So let's move on to... um, a uh, another topic here 
the BCC and the California Department of Public Health and how the regulations affect different industries in California. So people at home understand the regulatory bodies that are within the cannabis space. So why don't you tell the people at home about the BCC briefly? You don't have to go into depth, but so people understand what and what they are and what they do. So right now there's three agencies regulating cannabis. This is scheduled to change and be consolidated into one, which I don't understand why they didn't do that in the first place. So the BCC regulates most, the Bureau of Cannabis Control regulates most uses. But if you're doing cultivation, that's regulated by the Department of Food and Agriculture. And if you're doing manufacturing, that's the Department of Public Health, which means three different agencies, three sets of regulations, three sets of inspectors. It's just... It's just another layer of um, complication and confusion and just bureaucracy that we that we have to deal with that's not helpful in my opinion. Um, the BCC was set up to regulate this industry. I, th I think there's been a lot of problems on many levels, the BCC, some of which were created by the legislature because to just to give the people at the BCC a little bit of break, they are not, they don't, they, they, they have to follow what the legislature tells them and what was in the statute. So they don't have to. Let me interject there. Let ahead. me interject for a second too on that, John. Our, our interactions with the people at the BCC have been unbelievably professional and they're very responsive. So if you're out there and you're dreading dealing with the BCC, they've been very good. And unlike most governmental agencies, so that's my interjection there. Go ahead. Doug. I agree. And I generally feel like they're doing their best. I've met Lori Ajax, the head of the BCC on a number of occasions. And I've, I have, you know, from my interactions with her and from times I've seen her speak, she's, she's smart, she's capable. She, she's, she understands and addresses these concerns. And I think if, if things were up, I don't want to speak for her, but I think if she had, carte blanche she i think she would work to fix a lot of these things but mm -hmm. she doesn't have that sole authority it's but i government. agree the bcc i think generally people are doing their best i think they are they have a lot I don't, I don't think they have enough personnel they've had a lot of personnel turnover um and they're and they're dealing with regulations that a lot of times just don't make sense and aren't and aren't adequate to what is actually needed to to deal with the realities of where this industry is at and what is needed. And right. they, keep, so, they can't make law up either. So they are beholden to the same rate to, to the regulations just as we are in the industry. So I definitely have sympathy. Um, with that said, um, I do wish there was more clarity. Sometimes I wish there yeah. was um, quicker responsiveness sometimes. And I do wish there was more consistency so um, across the entities in terms of how things are treated. Let's cover it now. The, basically the same comments are going to apply to the California Department of Public Health, which is the overriding entity right now currently in edibles, but that's also confusing, correct? I mean, it's a really strange overlap. It's very strange. And then you, you know, some aspects of, of a business, you might be dealing with manufacturing and then it crosses over to distribution. You're having to move things in the track and stage, track and trace between your different license types and, all this is just made more complicated by having to deal with two completely separate regulatory right. agencies. And also with CDFA and, and Department of Public Health, you're dealing with agencies that are not primarily specialized in regulating cannabis. They are primarily focused on other things that they're supposed to be dealing with. Now, I've um, never had interactions they, with the CDFA. Are they kind of all in the same boat? I mean, I really don't even know because I'm not a, a grower. I mean, with cultivation, there's just, it's a little bit more complicated just because there's more agencies involved. You're dealing with like 
fish and wildlife. There's just a lot more environmental regulations that you have to clear. So it, it is a little bit more complicated with CDFA. That would be my main takeaway with on cultivation work no. that I've done is you're just like even more bureaucracy, bureaucratic loops that you have to navigate with that. Okay, John. So I've got uh, another question regarding, you know, um, a current issue on retailers receiving samples from distributors and from, you know, edible makers who are distributing their own product. Do you know if there's a, a, an answer there yet about the sampling regimen? I mean, there should be a much simpler solution than there is, in my opinion. It should be, there should be clear guidelines, and I know they're working on it, but what we've seen previously is people, to be compliant with track and trace, have essentially had to find, I'm not going to be too specific because I don't want to reveal any trade secrets of how people operate, but people have had to find workarounds that are compliant with the track and trace system that are more onerous yeah. than should exist. And what I would Enough said, John. Ask, Enough said, John. I don't yes. want to get you in trouble. Yes. Um, it should be a simpler solution. Yeah. Um, so we're going to be going to a break in about 20 seconds here. And I just think it's very fascinating. Uh, we, we have interesting business people here uh, on my show. Uh, but this is an aspect that is not covered very much. So um, did want to thank you, but we're not getting away from you yet. We're going to come back from the break. I'm going to ask John, what's a humorous story surrounding cannabis and, you know, and how something in cannabis made him chuckle or made people around him laugh or something like that. So we'll be right back in a minute with John Landis. This is Dazed and Infused. We'll be back to Crave Your Sweet Tooth with more Dazed and Infused right after this. Dazed and Infused. Join sugar industry expert Latham Woodward for a happier hour each week for a lively and often hilarious discussion on the infusion of cannabis into food, beverages, and life. Explore exciting new culinary landscape trends with fascinating friends and guests who are leading the industry into the uncharted mainstream. Discover curated menus, enhanced cocktails, and live tastings. Life's a little sweeter here on Dazed and Infused. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at s-h-o-o-g-i-e-s dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Fetch your earbuds and stay tuned for some pure pet care conversation. Hi, it's Angela Ardolino with It's a Dog's Life, and I have Hernanda Umana joining me. We're just both so fascinated with how much we've learned since we've been in this pet industry and creating an all-natural product. Because it's a dog's life. I am a huge fan of my guest today, Dr. Bob Goldstein. I have, in my experience, not seen many natural substances produce the results that CBD is producing in the animals that we are testing on. It's a Dog's Life with Angela Ardolino, only on Cannabis Radio. How sweet it is. Dazed and Infused is back, only on CannabisRadio.com. 
Welcome back. This is Latham Woodward, and this is Days and Infused, and we're with John Landis, cannabis attorney here in the state of California. John, this is the time of the show where we go away from the business aspects and we get down to the nitty gritty about cannabis, and cannabis is generally about having fun. It's also about having a great lifestyle and living your life to the fullest. So at this juncture, I always ask, what's a humorous story that you had in your life regarding cannabis? Anything that really comes to mind? Well, I'll do one quick one from my life and also just from like my initial period working in this industry. So, I mean, I have the, I certainly have the, um, the stereotypical brownie story from when I was in college, when I had already smoked a little, this was in a period where I was consuming a little bit more than usual. Uh Um, And then I was, I accident, I did not realize the strength of my roommate's brownies when I was over there and came back. Wow. I've never heard that before, John. (laughs) I know. Right. And came back to my friends and they were watching, um, the original Willy Wonka, not the remake. And it freaked me out so much that I couldn't watch that movie again for about like five years because it was like so disturbing watching that. Gene, Gene Wilder's a trip, man, in that Stay. movie. I know. I love Gene Wilder. Yeah, and he was- just, just from my more recent experiences, just funny seeing the transition. Because when I started in this field, it was still the collective. So it was still there was still definitely a wild, wild west element to some of my clients, to um, the events I attended and to sort of see that. I mean, it's sort of sad. I mean, it's all, it's necessary, but it's sort of sad to see like the vans with the giant pot leaf of clients coming and like clients just coming in, you know, with um, the giant weed shirt on and all that. Like that was, it was fun to experience a year of that, even though that's not the world we live in anymore. The good old days, right? Well, you know, on my side of the story, Back when I was in manufacturing, I was in manufacturing for like 27 years, almost 30 years. And uh, uh, we used to have a client, I'll call him A.M., and he lives up in Humboldt County. And he would come in and we used to just call him the farmer. He always reeked. He was, you know, a, a very funny fellow. And every year he'd come in to do a job with us. It was, it was pretty humorous. And that was before I was, I was growing a little, you know, my own and, and smoking. But I just didn't really know anybody at that level back then that was kind of funny so um john in the future where do you think this is going in california what do you think it's going to get big 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 is going to spread nationally quick what's what's your prediction for the future i'm i definitely think it's moving in we're already seeing it move in the direction where it's a business there's going to be we're already seeing consolidation if and when the federal walls do come down to some extent or a complete extent and i have and i'm not in the political prediction business, but I think it'll happen at some point. That's only going to exacerbate that. And we're, everyone expects the big, the big companies that outside of cannabis, tobacco, pharma, big agriculture, um, et cetera, to become much bigger players in the space. We can like it, we cannot like it, but it's reality and we're going to have to adjust to it. Um, there's, so I, we, we expect that, and hopefully we will see some changes like the ones we've described that do allow, and I really do hope that there will be more of a space carved out that actually allows small businesses and entrepreneurs and people coming at the space, like you were talking about earlier, social unknown people, and really give them a chance to actually be successful. Right. Doing things the right way, the legal way, but having taxes, regulations that actually make sense and that actually allow people to be compliant and be successful. How far off are we from national legalization, John? What's your what's your ETA on that? I mean, the 2020 election, certainly. I'm not going to get political in this forum. The 2020 election, certainly. 
could have an effect on that. But I, I think depending on how the next set of elections go, I don't think it's unlikely that something could happen in the next five years. To be sure. Yeah, I think that's accurate. I think, I think the whole thing really within the framework of taxation and tax money coming in, the, the writing has to be on the wall as to how profitable it is. And I frankly find it a little weird that the feds aren't doing something because it really gets their claws into it a little more. Not that I want that, but if they did that, we could get banking and we could actually start, you know, keeping this money, you know, patriated in a certain sense, you know, rather than having it solely directional in one state. And I don't think that benefits the federal government and we are a federation of states. So I would like to see, you know, the benefits spread around a little bit, but I don't think we're mature enough in the business yet to take it national. We're close, but not really there yet. Absolutely. I mean, progress does take time, but progress also sometimes, once once the ball gets rolling, sometimes progress happens quicker than we expected to. So yeah. So, John, we're going to wrap it up here. And I, I want you to give a shout out to your firm because you guys deserve it. So, and, uh, and your own personal brand and uh, like your Insta handle or anything like that. And why don't you let sure. people know who you are? So my firm is Adley Law Group. We're in Los Angeles, but I have clients throughout the state and, and national. And I would love to, um, I primarily do um, on the corporate and regulatory side, but anything cannabis, industrial hemp, or other areas related to it where you need assistance with growing your business and being compliant, I am here for you. John, you have a phone number for us? Sure. Our office number is 213 623 Six five four six. My my email is my name Jonathan.landis at our law firm name AdleyLaw.com. Our website is www.adleylaw.com. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, my Instagram is pretty easy to remember JSLandis1. That's my Instagram. And right on. Connecting with more of you. Right on. Well, John, I will see you on the flip side. And this has been Days and Infused. I'm Latham Woodward. We would we've been with John Landis from the Adley A D L I Law Firm in Los Angeles, California. When you're out there at the dispensary, look for Shuggies, now available in single packs, also our traditional 20 packs, also in sugar and agave. You can look us up at www.shuggies.com. That's S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S.com. If you want any information on Shuggies or sense distribution, that's info at Shuggies.com. Thanks very much and good night, John. Thanks for being here. My pleasure, thank you. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.